listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of Future Sox. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here joined by Nick Morowski and Danny Miller. How you doing, boys? I mean, honestly, I could talk White Sox every single day. Sometimes no one will listen. No one will want to listen. But I'm more than willing to talk White Sox baseball. So it's a good day. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, you know, I guess we could start it off with... uh, John Schriffen being named the play-by-play for the White Sox, uh, joining Stoney in the booth. Um, I know that all of us have talked about this quite a bit. Um, Why don't you go ahead and start us off, Nick? How do you feel about the uh, decision? What do you think about uh, his style, and uh, what are you expecting out of him? I don't know much about his MLB style. I I think the, uh, the resume is a little thin. Um, maybe some KBO, some spot stuff, uh, when he was doing some ESPN work, uh, is it uh, what was it XFL uh, Slam Ball, where he's had some experiences? I, I guess what got me a little excited is you know there was some chemistry. I mean, there had to have been chemistry, right? Or else he wouldn't have got the gig. Uh, they had this lengthy dinner, and uh, you know he's saying all the right stuff. Uh, what I thought was was interesting was. You know, what he talked about, you know, how Reinsdorf was looking for somebody uh, to be committed. And I, and I thought that was maybe a little bit of a dig uh, at Jason Benetti. And, of course, Schriffen, like, this is his first gig. This is his first gig with an actual team. I think he's going to say all the right things. He's going to say all the things that are going to get fans excited. Like, you know, Griffol was trying to say all the right things. It was his first gig, and I'm going to try to get the fans on my side. So I, I can't read too much into it. I thought, you know, that little thing about commitment, you know, was, was I, I think that's important for me as a fan. I'd like to have whoever's going to be the play-by-play to be doing a majority of the Sox game. So, hey, if Schriffen has chemistry uh, with Stone and, you know, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time just to get to know the team and for us to believe him. Like when he's talking about the troubles and all the heartaches and everything that the Sox have gone through, well, you don't know because you haven't been around, you know? So I think it might take some time for fans to warm up to him, but uh, hey, if he's got some chemistry with Stone, it'll show, we'll we'll figure that out. But um, a little disappointed wasn't Connor, but at the end of the day, you know, as long as it's a good broadcast, that, that's what I'm hoping for. How do you feel about it, Danny? You, uh, I mean, I know that you probably haven't heard a whole lot of uh, baseball talk. Um, oh, hold on one second. What's going on here? Take that off of there. There we go. Um, you've got you're you're muted there, Danny. That's what the issue is. There we well, go. <laughs> all right. You know, let's try this again. Uh, you know, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, along with all the things that, that Nick was saying, and you're right, I haven't really heard a lot of baseball stuff from uh, Mr. Schriffen. But, uh, you know, with Nick saying it, you know, he's, he's saying all the right things. Uh, it's it's kind of one of those things where he's done a little bit of everything, a lot like, you know, Jason Benetti tossing his hat in on everything. And Jason Benetti was really good at just about everything he did, right? So my hope is that, you know, maybe we're getting a lot of the same from Schriffen, except for the fact that, you know, maybe he is dedicated and uh, we don't have to worry about replacing another play-by-play guy in, say, you know, two years down the road when everybody's just getting settled in on a new one. But, uh, you know, the thing that I really wanted to point out was because he hasn't had a team, you know, I haven't heard a lot of his calls, right? Uh, I, I kind of did some homework on him, you know, just looking up YouTube videos and whatnot when, uh, you know, I, I saw that he was a, a final three, uh, you know, choice. And what I came across was basically like a highlight reel of highlight reels. And it was him doing mostly football calls. There were some other calls in there, but mostly football calls. And, you know, when you've got plays that are, you know, big breaking 
plays, you know, long passes down the field, guys busting out of tackles, running over other players and, and going on long scores. You know, those kind of exciting plays, he sounded great on, right? Thing is, is in baseball, there's a lot of those down moments. Now, I know as a, as a play-by-play guy, you know, you're kind of leaning on your on your color guy, right, to, to get you through those moments. And having Steve Stone in the booth is probably going to help immensely. But, you know, I, I just I'm still curious about what he's going to do, uh, you know, to to add to Steve in those, you know, downtimes, because anybody can I shouldn't say anybody, but making the uh, the exciting play call has got to be a lot easier than filling space and dead air. Right. So and the other question I have is, you know, we've seen Steve Stone over the last couple of seasons take some time off during the season. And, you know, are we going to be in moments where we've got two brand new people or unseasoned people in the booth and what what's going to happen there? So, you know, I, I, I don't mind the move. I just have some questions and some curiosities about it, but I'm very open to uh, what's ahead of us. Well, I'm sure Bill Walton will be available or make himself available, you know, because uh, that worked out so well. Um, yeah, I you know, like the... <laughs> You know, like you said, uh, the football plays. You know, when there was a when there was a big play, he did get excited, and that's you know I, I'm looking forward to seeing what that sounds like in a baseball context. Uh, he did, you know, I don't know, like fifteen twenty games or something like that with the KBO, and um, you know, I it's the KBO. You know, like how excited could he possibly get watching the KBO? I mean, you know, obviously he's a professional broadcaster, but, uh, you know, I mean, who knows what – does he really know what he's looking at? I mean, is it really uh, anything that's really all that exciting to him? I I, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it works out. I, You know, he seems like he's got a, a pretty decent uh, – you know, work ethic and, you know, he did uh, good morning America, you know, and ESPN is obviously the worldwide leader. You know, they generally don't hire too many stiffs. So let's hope that uh, this works out for the best. So there were, you know, we try and get away from this really people we do, but the cease rumors are back. Cease is now going to Seattle um, who traded for Jorge Polanco. Uh, so one of their outfield prospects, their number five prospect, was dealt in that deal. So that kind of slims things up a little bit. And I don't know if you guys saw Elijah's Elijah Evans' tweet about what people were proposing for the White Sox in return for Cease. Uh, more or less saying that the the return of a woo or something similar is not exactly what the White Sox would be looking for. I mean, obviously you're looking to raise your talent floor regardless of what the return is, um, but I would think that they would be looking for more positional talent on that. Uh, and obviously whenever Jerry Depoto is in it mentioned – or whenever trade talks are mentioned, you should never discount Jerry Depoto sticking his nose in there because that guy loves to deal prospects. Uh, you got any thoughts on that, Danny? Uh, you know, I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, I know that this is, you know, something that's come up in the last 24 hours here with uh, with them throwing their, their hats into the ring and, after things had kind of died down and, and cooled off and it, it had been pretty much speculated that Dylan Cease was going to stay on the South side, at least for, you know, the first half of the season, some predict that he wasn't going anywhere all season. Uh, I'm just going to be, my only thought on it really is, is I don't buy it because normally we, you know, we would say where there's smoke, there's fire, but it, you know, we could have said that, I don't know, eight, 10, 12 times this off season uh, about Dylan Cease trade talks. And, you know, the Yankees were supposedly all in on him at one point. And, you know, uh, there were five teams. I think Bob Gale, my Nightingale reported on it. And they were all heavy in, in talks. And, 
you know, then as things kind of slow down a little bit, you start getting the, well, you know, the, the White Sox asking price is, is astronomical. And I, I'm not necessarily buying that, uh, that Jerry DePoto is willing to meet the White Sox asking price. I, I'm just not. I, you know, I, I just feel like this is a, another Bob Nightingale thing coming out saying that, you know, hey, we can't let this story die because that's just not who Bob Nightingale is. Yeah, but generally, you know, when he says something, there's at least some modicum of truth to it, you know, if uh, if he's talking about it. Uh, how you feel about that, Nick? I think Nightingale is the White Sox whisperer. I, I think he gets stuff from, from either Reinsdorf himself or others in the organization and, and kind of push this. Please push this narrative, if you will, uh, for a variety of different reasons. And, and this see Seattle thing, yeah, uh, Seattle can get crazy. They've gotten crazy and strange, so they're definitely a wild card. You know, Bruce Levine had, had a comment, I believe, on 670 The Score this past weekend where there's a 0% chance in his mind that Dylan C starts the season uh, with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and, and Bruce Levine's been around uh, Chicago sports for some time. So I, I look at it in, in a way of maybe – you know, teams against each other, of course. And, you know, and if you've ever done negotiations, whether it's car, house, job, you go big. You know, you, you shoot for the moon. And you realize I'm probably not going to get that, but I'm going to get somewhere a little bit less where it's still going to be palatable. You know, um, and that could be what all this talk is, you know, with negotiation stuff. Why not? You know, this you've got this big asset. Go, go high. Someone might meet you there. I'm wondering, and maybe you guys, what your thoughts on this kind of race with the calendar, though. You know, we're two weeks away-ish from pitchers and catchers reporting, less than two months away from actually opening day. Is it going to get to the point where it's not necessarily this, you know, against other teams, but these teams are looking at the calendar saying, I don't want Cease going and, and starting with the Sox. I, I want Cease the entire season. I want to get him in a club. I want to start the year off right. I don't want other teams to be competing with me uh, come trade deadline. Because you know there'll be other teams that look and say, wow, we're in it. We're, we're kind of in it at this point. Why don't we go? And now, now we don't know if they have the prospects or not, right? There's only a handful of teams that probably can do something like this. But... I think there might be teams that say, you know what, I, I, I just don't want to risk it. It gets it gets a little bit too desperate and something goes down uh, pretty close maybe uh, to that, what, February 15th, pitchers and catchers uh, reporting date. Yeah, well, I, the, uh, I mean, there's something like 145 free agents still out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think that necessarily this – particular instance of what's going on right now. I, I don't know as if, you know, this is any, you know, anything really, you know, I, I, I can't say it's any different than, than everybody else not signing just because the trade hasn't been made. And it came across today. I, there had been rumors in the past, uh, you know, leading up to this point that the, uh, the Angelos were going to sign or sell the Baltimore Orioles, and uh, they did today uh, to a couple of billionaires. And I wonder whether, you know, with those negotiations going on, that it just kind of put everything off on the back burner for the Orioles, and maybe that kind of slowed things down for the Orioles. And maybe that's partially why that didn't get done. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the only reason it didn't get done, but, um, you know, I – well, I mean, Ian, new ownership group, maybe there's a different way of spending going about their business. And it's not necessarily, well, we have to live by the trade because um, we're not going to throw around big money. Maybe with this, it's like, well, we don't have to trade for Cease. You know, maybe we sign a big name pitcher. Or is Blake Snell still out there? Uh, you know, there's arms that could be still out there, or they could say, you know what? We'll look at uh, perhaps the free agency market next year and go big with money. Uh, that, that's an interesting uh, concept. 
Yeah, I mean, there's also, you know, when when the negotiations are going on, who knows if there's like a freeze on major moves, you know? I, I, I can't say, yeah. um, I, I all I can say is that I think that, you know, there's definitely like at least, uh, you know, there's some thought there with that going on. You know, I, I don't, you know, like I said, I don't think that that's the entire reason why nothing happened. Uh, I'm sure it probably has to do with Chris Getz's asking price in addition to what was going on over there that was probably like, you know what, we're going to hold off on making some sort of a major move, whether it be signing Blake Snell, whether it be trading for Dolan Cease, we're going to hold off on that until, you know, because we know that this deal's coming, so we're just going to hold off on it until that's taken care of, you know, in case these, you know, like, I don't, I mean, who knows what these owners want, you know, could be that they want to keep the payroll down and use the farm system. Could be that, you know, I I mean, who knows, you know, so uh, we'll see, we'll see what comes of it. Uh, You know, like you said, we still have until Valentine's day to, uh, to see if a trade happens. And if not, you know, Dylan Cease will be in Arizona at Camelback ranch throwing on the backfields, you know, throwing some bullpens. We'll see what happens. So, um, anything more on that? You guys got anything more on cease rumors? I mean, it, well, I mean, Pedro Grafol came out and said, you know, he's he's the opening day starter. Which mm. does that feel odd to you? Like, it's it's obvious, but I feel like that gets announced like that that in that, spring. That, that, yeah, <laughs> after I, I can't recording. remember. Like even when Sale was around, and you know, it was never. This this far out before pitchers and catchers even reported is just kind of an odd thing to just come out and say, even though it it feels like it. Sure, yeah, Dylan Cease is your ace right now, but I thought that was an odd thing. <laughs> well, I mean, that was actually as as soon as you brought up the question, that was pretty much going to be my my retort was that uh, you know who else that is uh, potentially I mean because we don't even know who's going to round out the rotation. We all have ideas. Yeah. We pr- we pretty much think we know who the, the the first five are going to be to start the season, but you know, out of the out of the you know handful of names that are out there that we can that we can throw in the starting rotation, who else is going to be your opener? Dookie. You know, I'm you. I want to see Toussaint. I want to see it. I mean, yeah. Eric Fetty. You know, may <laughs> may by the end of the year be your best starter for you know for all intents and purposes, we don't really know, but uh, yeah, you can't really pencil them in for that starting spot, but I agree. Just making that announcement this early without ever having seen anybody thrown a pitch, you know, in 2024, Pedro doing uh, something questionable. Hmm. Seems out of character. How dare he? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was also announced uh, the other day uh, to capitalize on the 20-year anniversary of the 2005 White Sox World Series championship that SoxFest will be coming back next year. Uh, We do not, as far as I know, have a location, uh, but there will be a fan fest. Now, this is something that you've been definitely passionate about, Nick. Let me have it. Well... Look, first things, if they're going to celebrate the 2005 team with the 20th anniversary, I'm all for it. It's a fan fest. How many types of teams like this do we have in our lifetime? You know, zero. I mean, we've talked about, you know, uh, division championship teams and all this kind of stuff. But to say, hey, we're going to bring this team that is still around, you know, guys are still kind of connected to the team we hear about. You know, Burley or Pruszynski or Canerico talking to the club or coming by. Obviously, Guillen is is very present and vocal. But, gosh, I would love to see that. I mean, that would – who knows if there's any signings or any positive stuff to talk about about the 2025 team. But I have no problem. It's not their fault that this organization is a mess. Okay, and I know a lot of people want to stop talking about the 85 Bears. Can we stop talking about the 2005 Sox? I get all of that, but when you have so little to hang on to that has actually been accomplished and they could still get together as a unit and you could still see that in one room, I am all for that. 
terms of the actual Sox Fest, yes, I've been hitting the drum on this for a long period of time. Every other team has figured this out almost uh, post-COVID of how to get all fans of all ages, no matter uh, if you're a season ticket holder, if you've just got a 10-game plan, or if you are just a novice fan, in the dead of winter, the opportunity to rub shoulders with like-minded people uh, it can only help your organization. Whether you have something big to talk about or not, you're growing your brand. Somehow grow your brand. That's my challenge to you, White Sox. You haven't done it in several years. There are so many Sox fans, you've talked to them, I've talked to them, that live out of state. It is difficult to get to Sox games during the summer. You've got a festival that's three days long in the city of Chicago, right downtown. They offer weekend packages, all that kind of stuff. It is an opportunity for all fans of all ages to celebrate their team and uh, the extra twist of the 2005 White Sox next year. So it's this is awesome. Yeah, and they're also going to get to uh, celebrate the 2024 White Sox after this year's championship. Uh, how do you <clears throat> feel about this uh, whole Sox Fest thing coming up, uh, Danny? Ah, I'm first in line. I'm first in line to to purchase my tickets, man. It's uh, long overdue. That's all I'll say. I, you know, well, it's not all I'll say. We all know I have something <laughs> to add to just about everything because I can't shut up. Um, no, you know, again, I agree with everything they had to say, but the, the fact of this, the this whole thing about having a season ticket holder uh, festival and not doing something for the everyman just seems like a kick in the pants. I mean, it's really just kind of disrespectful to your fans in a time where we have been force fed all of this nonsense about being competitors for a, a much larger prize than, uh, you know, a single win in two straight postseasons, And then, you know, being one of the worst teams of baseball, you know, shortly after that, uh, not having a, a fan fest during that time, blaming, you know, at least the first one on COVID. <clears throat> for not being there and then continually not doing it was just kind of, I mean, it, it felt like you were, you're slapping your every fan in the face. Not everybody's going to be a season ticket holder. Not everybody can afford some of these season ticket packages. Not everybody can make it out to the park all the time for those types of things. So what about the folks that come, you know, three, four or five times a year? Uh, you know, we talk about wanting to engage our fans and, and wanting to bring in a new breed of fan, wanting to you know, keep you the talk about that. Going. The White Sox don't well, talk about that. They no, send they you don't. emails think, about, know. do you feel like you know this person better as a friend? You know, that's <laughs> well, that's what you, you know, get. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying Major League Baseball in general has been trying to kind of promote its brand to the younger, you know, just keeping a, a, a new class and a new group of fans growing you know we saw dwindling numbers across the board a few years back you know and it, you got to do these things to you know these young children who are impressionable you know uh obviously there, there it needs worked, to be it worked on some of us we're still here after watching I mean, they just, garbage teams yeah, for so long <laughs> guys i just feel like the socks have gotten stale in terms of marketing for the last several years you just kind of roll out the same stuff. It's the same collection of promos, but a different design and a different color. And they highlight all the great food, but every other ballpark is caught up to that kind of stuff. You know, every other ballpark is doing killer promos. I, I'm sorry. It's just gotten old hat. Like it's the same people in the organization that are just rolling it out, saying they're going to cough up, up their money no matter what, like get creative, get inventive. They almost have lost their way uh, in, in terms of trying to connect. And that's what I kind of talked about in that article. There is a major disconnect, a fan disconnect. And I think it's felt in the higher ups, but I just don't think they care. Well, you know, yeah. I this year they've got, you yeah. know, they're going to have the uh, Luis Roberts uh, gold-plated, uh, riding on a gold-plated Panther bobblehead that will be available to the first 500 people in the door. Um, so yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from on that. And, you know, uh, to be fair, they didn't have the season ticket holder, uh, socks prom thing for a few years, few years either because of the same reasons as socks fest. So they, they haven't been the only ones getting it for years. They just happened to get it back now. So, right. right. Yeah. I, I should have thrown that disclaimer in there. 
But uh, you know, the thing is, uh, all right, let me put it to you like this. So as a child, I grew up in a Cubs household. I went to Catholic school on the South side of Chicago where perfect attendance got you free white Sox tickets to at least one game a season. Uh, I had been to both parks at a very young age, multiple times. I enjoyed the feeling of being on the South side better than at the North side, even though I came from a Cubs household, even though the Cubs were on WGN in the middle of the summer and had a couple of friends that were watching all day long. But you know what? I, you know what? I really, I had other friends that the park was more accessible to me. Tickets were, uh, you know, affordable for a family parking was affordable food was affordable but as ticket prices have increased uh you know things like that some folks will say you know you got it's an arm and a leg to get in the ballpark so like nick says when you've got you compound the price of going to a game with the fact that there are people that are from out of state that can't make it to a game that aren't seats but they're just not doing anything to usher in the next wave the next young group uh, this was all in you know it was in something that was uh, ingrained in me as a child, even though I came from a Cubs household. And here I am today, still a Sox fan, tried and true, I mean, bleeding it out with everybody else. How about uh, letting folks in to see batting practice, the White Sox oh, batting practice? It used to be I mean, a thing. It used to be a thing. And, you know, you talk about young fans getting in, having access to players early. You know, you, you get a you get a baseball thrown to you in the outfield during Sox batting practice. That right there, you know, hooks you in, and you start to get to know well who threw that to me, and you, there there becomes a bit of a love affair. I, I've heard the ticket story, Danny, from a lot of my friends too that you know grew up, uh, you know, in those types of programs where good grades got you tickets, perfect attendance. Sometimes it was a field trip. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were at a summer camp. Uh, you were going to a, so- a day Sox game. They had camp day. And th- those types of things, you know, they still probably have camp day and stuff like that. I can't speak for the, you know, a perfect attendance or t- giving out free tickets, this, that, and the other. But just these these little things that you just wonder about, why? Like, wh- why, why, why won't you go the extra mile? Separate yourself a little bit, you know, and, and make that connection. Now is a good time because you're kind of starting over. You know, and there's going to be some young players coming in probably over the next year or so that this is what we're going to build around. And you might start highlighting that sooner rather than later. Absolutely. You know, they do the the whole, uh, I think it's on Sundays, family Sundays or whatever, where they let the kids run the bases. That's cool. That's something I would have jo- enjoyed, you know, immensely as, as, a, as a youngin. But I just feel like it's not enough. It really isn't. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe kids uh, doing grounds work, uh, just kind of you know raking the field after uh, run the bases with this uh, with this on perhaps. Yeah, they got those. (laughs) They were fostered just (laughs) something. You know, the guys come out in between innings and they got the rakes that they drag behind them on the chains. Yeah, you just chain these things to the kids' waist and let them run the bases on Sundays. I think the kids should be doing it all. Gene, yeah, you have a day off, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, they do that in the minor leagues. Have the kids call the call the players' names. So why not do it? Uh, yeah, at guaranteed rate. Uh, I'll just say this and uh, then move on. We went to. I took my son to uh, opening day last year, and we were fourth people in line to get in. We got in, went down into center field area. Gabe Kapler threw my kid a ball. My kid was stoked, hey. you know, and that's the kind of experiences that the kids should be having. They should allow everybody in for batting practice. I mean, is it a huge deal? No, but it's an olive branch, you know. It's just it's something to get the people into the park and give positive experiences for families to come, you know, and for, uh, you know, Zach Hample's come out there and get some extra baseballs for his collection. You know, and if you, I mean, there's so many logistics. I mean, you talk about just getting into the park, it's cost and money. Literally getting into the park is difficult. Just how they can't figure that out. If you open up batting practice and you say, you know what, you, you could get in early now and you could get in to see Sox batting practice, 
that might get more people in sooner so there's not a log jam I, you know alleviate some people, of the stress at the gate for sure obviously people are going to tailgate to the last very second you know we know this and then complain because they can't get in for first pitch it's like well what wh- what did you kind of expect but there there needs to be a lot of reimagining but you know you open up things earlier and, and give them a reason of why to get in earlier it, it could help you out yeah they yeah, definitely it, need it's to the small things yeah yeah the same security system that's been there since it was the building was you know put up in in 1991 when they opened up same exact security system owned by the owner of the team who uh feels that that's okay uh so moving along (laughs) uh so the white Sox mvp for the last few years uh right fielder gavin sheets was talking to uh, some reporters at the uh, Boys and Girls Club event the other day. And he said, everybody is counting us out. The only thing you can do is use that to fuel us. We go out every day trying to play hard and win games, and that doesn't change what we are going to do. We all know we aren't favored to do anything this year. That's the first time since I've been here in the big leagues in three years. We can use that to help us and motivate us and see what we can do with it. Now, uh, you guys remember that segment that used to be on Saturday Night Live, uh, Jack Handy. Um, this is thoughts. This is going thoughts. to be uh, a motivational poster somewhere, uh, no doubt, on Nikki Lopez's bulletin board of tweets saying that the White Sox suck. Um Nick, Gavin mm. Sheets is your guy. Let me know what 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 is he uh, what is he looking to do this year? I, he's trying to stay relevant. Uh, he is trying to once again convince us fans that he's putting in the work. Uh, he is up to his defensive, uh, you know, game. You know, it's the same stuff that I heard from last off season. I don't know where he's coming from with I don't think they were favored last year. Uh, I don't I don't believe so. I, I feel like the projections were pretty low. Folks prognosticators were were low on the White Sox. So I, he must have just had something in his mind, but um he is true with everybody is counting uh, the Sox out. I just don't know what value Gavin Sheets has on this team right now. I mean, offensively is he is that really something that you need to keep because he's got a left-handed bat and every now and then he runs into something um he's a liability in right field and yeah it's not his fault he's out there but he is so then try to get better at the position i i just don't i haven't seen anything uh and maybe you're just asking somebody to do something that they should not and can't do and that could very well be the case he seemed like a man without a position for the last several years. You know, this this log jam of hybrids, you know, first baseman, DH. Well, now we're going to kind of put them in the corner outfield. It, the Sox have failed miserably at addressing problems to get better defensively. And I just don't see – he doesn't fit into the Grafol attitude of, like, defense, speed, you know, athleticism, all – all this kind of stuff. So I guess he's useful for saying these types of things that are going to be on, you know, snippets will be on t-shirts. Everybody is counting us out. Can you see that? Well, we won't see it in batting practice because uh, we won't be able to be in the stadium, but you'll maybe have video <laughs> of all of the players with these, you know, uh, counting us out, you know, kind of shirts. It's, it's laughable. Of, of all the things that people talk about year after year, health and living my best life and everything's right, it, it's this type of stuff from Gavin Sheets that drives me crazy. Yeah, I'd say that they put him at a disadvantage. And, you know, when it, when it comes to paying attention to the minor leagues, that's something that I do, I focus on heavily, if you didn't know. Um, Gavin Sheets, when he was drafted – was not the power left-handed bat that everybody wants to project on him. Now, the White Sox have worked on trying to unlock some of that potential in that giant frame of his, 
But the thing is, is that he was always a bat-to-ball first baseman who would occasionally run into one, you know? And uh, he's taller than Andrew Vaughn. He probably hit less, you know, he definitely hit less home runs. Uh, And I feel like if he was trying to concentrate a little less on trying to punish the baseball, that he would probably have better results. Um, And, and like, the thing is, we know this. He was never an outfielder. His dad was an outfielder, but he was never an outfielder. And the fact that he took it upon himself to learn, to try and learn that, to be more useful, I commend him for that. However, he's not an outfielder. He doesn't have the foot speed, doesn't have the glove. His arm's okay, you know, but, I mean, that's not his position. Um, I know Danny loves watching him out in right field. Uh, why don't you no. tell me some more about that, Danny? It, well, no, I mean, I was just going to go on, you know, kind of in agreement with you there is, you know, if you go back a few years, the 2020 season, uh, I actually wrote, you know, uh, for uh, White Sox Daily, I wrote a, a blog about uh, some of the White Sox positional battles, and one of those was, uh, you know, first base slash right field, and what they were going to do with all of those players that could man either of the positions, at least, you know, so the White Sox have been talking about. And it wasn't until 2020 when, uh, you know, he had to take a seat. There was no minor league season, and he was not invited to be part of the taxi squad that he decided to take that time off and spend some time with his dad to reinvent himself because he had, it wasn't just Andrew Vaughn who was in front of him at first base. You know, there was a a bunch of guys that could play that position. And, you know, so I I guess what I'm saying is when, you know, Nick, when you say it's not his fault that he's out there, uh, I, I don't disagree with you when I say that, but I will say he, he is partially to blame for being there because he tried to reinvent himself and put him, he tried to make himself serviceable to the organization that he was a part of. And make and he did make his way onto the major league roster. Now, what I'll say is, it is the fault of of the managers and the in the front office for allowing him to be in a position that he is definitely not suitable to play. Because the man, hey, you know what? Like Ian says, throughout his minor league career, uh, before they tried to really unlock the power, and you know, going on before that, before he was drafted, he really was a stud at putting a bat on the ball. He did have. I mean, he his, his he had one good year as a power hitter in college. That would, but right. that was well, it, though. I'm, you know, and that was at right. Wake Forest, and that that field that they play at is like one thing. College baseball fans hate the stadium that Wake Forest plays at because they feel like the home run comes cheaper there. So that I just wanted to throw that out there while while right. we're talking about this. Right. So you know, like playing at Truist. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like playing in Charlotte. It's like playing in the PCL, you know, it's like playing in Coors Field. I mean, it's supposed to be like playing at guaranteed rate, but uh, the other teams seem to have anywho. Right, exactly. But anywho, you know, the point is, is he's not a right fielder. We There's nothing really bad about that. He just does not look comfortable out there at all. Uh, and this is no offense to Gavin because, you know, watching him in the minors, he really was a, a, a fun guy to watch uh, coming up. And now that there are question marks hanging around first base, you know, I'm sure Mr. Delicious will will tell us all about, you know, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, I wouldn't mind keeping Gavin around to see. I'll take a guy that's only going to have 15 home runs if he's got an 800 plus OPS, which, you know, Andrew can't seem to carry for an entire season. Uh, you know, he's going to hit balls in the gaps. And if he gets that back to ball back, Maybe some of that power that they unlock stays, but he's got to focus on that contact. But, you know, I'm neither here nor there. I really don't want to see him out in right field again. And if he doesn't make this team uh, as a starter or even a fourth outfielder, I, you know, I'm not going to miss him. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but no, it just doesn't belong there. It it goes, it always goes back to the organization. It always goes back to player development and the big picture and, you know, someone's got to be the adult, right? Someone's got to say, I know what you want to do, but that's not an option. I'm sorry. That's not the vision. Like we've got bigger plans and 
we're either gonna package you up and we are gonna get you out of this organization or we are gonna I don't know try to set you up for success where you should be and that might rise to the top when you do have opportunities uh, it, it goes back again to do, do the Sox hold on to players far longer than they should do they do they try to give guys shots that you know what that was maybe two years a, ago you know I don't think there's that, any any question that they do right I mean I'm kind of asking <laughs> questions that I know the answer to but it that's what that's what really grinds your gears and oh absolutely and I think Gavin Sheets is a prime example of that I'd say part of the issue here is that a lot of the guys that they do end up keeping for a long time in the minor leagues is you know we all know that the assembly of the farm system and the the talent levels are are were issues for a very long time and i'm hoping that that's you know that seems to be that it's changing a little bit and that uh things are kind of going more up the middle now than they used to uh as far as talent wise goes but I think part of the, you know, like the the reason why a bunch of these guys were sticking around and that they were hoping that they were going to figure it out was because they didn't want to spend any money on positions. And so they keep these guys around and keep on stringing them along. And, you know, it's like they kind of hit their ceiling and yet they stick around for a few years. And, you know, I mean, that's it. You know, I... I like prospects as much as, as anybody else, you know, and I, I like to root for them, but I mean, at a certain time there, there's a time to start cutting loose, you know, and if a guy's been in the system for four or five years and you haven't seen a market improvement, probably time to move on. So, uh, speaking of moving yeah. on, uh, you had mentioned, uh, health earlier, Nick, um, the white Sox. uh, Yoan Mankata in particular is showing up early to spring training a couple of weeks before the pitchers and catchers report and uh, certainly before the position players report. Um, putting a big emphasis on strengthening his core and uh, trying to balance out the muscles in his back to try and keep himself healthy for an entire season. Uh, we've been having issues with that with Moncada, Eloy, Andrew Vaughn wearing out like two-thirds of the way through the season and then having a swoon through the last month and a half. Um, just injuries everywhere. Are the White Sox going to have a better health year this year? And whose who's health in particular of all those players – if you had to pick a, you know, rank them, you know, like in a top two of whose health out of those guys. I mean, obviously, obviously we know Luis Robert is number one, probably as far as health goes for who we need to stay healthy. But of everybody else, who are the guys that you think that would need to keep healthy in order to try and keep this team above or at least get them to 500? Because I don't even see that happening. That's a big question. You know, and I, yeah, because I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, specifically with Mankata, after our conversation that we had last week, and you brought it up, Ian, and I think it's a great point, which takes you in a different direction with this question of if Mankata just breaks out, you know, it's a contract year, it's, he is feeling healthy, and Pedro Grafol had – you know, this quote about him, you know, yes, he's coming early and everything's right. Who does that benefit? Does that just solely benefit Yohan Mankata or does that benefit the, the White Sox? Can, can they flip him? Is that how he benefits the White Sox? Is they can somehow trade him at the deadline? Or is it really just a benefit to Yohan Mankata because he doesn't have a future beyond this year? with the White Sox. So when I think about right now, I'm thinking in two, in two kind of two parts here, who can stay healthy and have a great first half so they can give us something maybe at the deadline. Okay. Or who can stay healthy and, and that's going to be around 
maybe for beyond this year? And so I'll give you kind of two answers. I think if Loy Jimenez, because obviously Luis Robert Jr. is most likely not going anywhere unless something absolutely bizarre and crazy happens. If Aloy Jimenez can really stay healthy and, and hit his 40 plus and he's tracking that and he's not just, you know, a, a one dimensional guy, but he's, he's staying away from the ground balls. You know, we're seeing a different type of Aloy Jimenez. I think that's a guy that maybe we can we can trade and we could get something for as we are trying to create a new identity. Um, you know, in terms of like who's going to be around for a little bit longer, I, I think they want to hold on to Andrew Vaughn. I get the impression that he's a guy that they kind of want to build around. It's not like I necessarily agree with it because I'm still waiting to see. He's what, 26. Um, if he could be healthy, he can have that. I'm having like the best year of my life. I think that's great for like the Sox moving forward. Aloy, it would be more of, I think we, he'd be a better asset, right? I think we can get something for him in that sense. So uh, did you, uh, I'm just going to throw this out here while we're in the middle of talking about Eloy. Uh, did you happen to hear the quote from Pedro about uh, Eloy working on his swing? Give it to me, please. I, I, I need it. I need it right now. So yeah, we've all seen Eloy's <laughs> stance, and he usually starts his stance with his hands roughly around his waist. Pedro said that Eloy is working on his swing, bringing his hands down a little bit. Now, working with hitting coaches, one of the the things that they he's saying that he's trying to avoid hitting ground balls. He's trying to get the ball up in the air some more, so he's putting his hands down. Um, dropping your hands on a swing is a great way to start popping the ball up. Which I mean, I guess if you've got elite bat speed, might help things a little bit. Um, I, but my impression of Eloy's ground ball issues was more based on timing and location. Seemed to me, anyway, that it was more about timing and location than where his hands were located at the beginning of his swing, because he always carried his hands very low. So, I, I. Just wanted to throw that out there in case you guys hadn't heard. Um, no, if anything, and, and all I really want to hear from anybody talking about most of this team when it comes to hitting is they're all working on pitch selection. Yes. Period. Yeah. End of story. Stop right there. Next question, please. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, re uh, Going back to the Yoan thing as, as to who it benefits, I'd say that absolutely the only way – that Yoan Moncada's season this year can really benefit the White Sox is if he stays completely healthy and they figured that the issue was him taking care of himself and keeping his body in shape, and he goes out and has an MVP-type season. And it's like rewind the clock, and we have a new Yoan Moncada attitude and player uh, return in form. I, I'd say that that's about the only way that the White Sox benefit from it, and it's not just solely fired up, and it's not just solely, you know, his, you know, to his benefit. I, I just, I don't see, you know, as I said last week, and I don't know if you saw, but NBC Sports Chicago had an entire episode about Yoan Mankata that came out today saying basically the exact same thing is that no matter what, he's pretty much gone at the end of this year. But yeah, I say so that's, unless MVP. <laughs> and that's, you know, I, I threw something out on, on, on Twitter X today, which is, you know, never the best place to have an actual you know, thoughtful conversation, but it was more of just a blast <laughs> of, hey, if Mankata has a contract year, if Aloy actually does stay healthy, this is the game we play every year, right? If if Andrew Vaughn, you know, breaks out, Robert just repeats what he did in 2023. What is really the difference? 
what is what is actually the game difference from the 61 wins that they had because you know what our pitching looks like right now and I, I don't think there's any going to be major changes between now and opening day so what is what is that game difference uh, you know I, even if Mankata has an MVP type season you know w- what would be the big turnaround yeah I mean I I would I would say this if you have Robert and Yoan, I mean, like like we've said before, and we've been saying it for years. If if these guys can stay healthy, you know, with better defense, and I, a lot of people are down on the pitching. I'm not particularly down on the pitching so much. Um, I feel like there's, uh, I figure, I, I feel like there's a little bit more upside than is being given credit to the pitching. And I also think Bannister is going to pay some dividends here as well. But ultimately, is it like I said? Is we're talking about fi- scratching and clawing to get to five hundred with the way this roster is constructed? So, is there going to be a big, you know, return on the investment on Yoan Mankata, even if he does go for an MVP this season? No, not probably not. Because you're still looking at 500 and probably no shot in hell for playoffs. So it'd be just fun to watch, I guess. It'd it would be. be fun to watch a healthy, successful Mankata, something that we've been waiting for since 2017. Yeah, I was, uh, as you know, our top 30 prospect lists are coming out. Uh, in early March, in the first week of March. And so uh, James shared with me a document that Future Sox has been keeping for, um, hold on, let me look how many years it's been. Since 2009, there are prospect rankings. uh, Top 30 since midway through 2009. And just looking back at these prospect rankings... And just thinking about all these guys that we had such hopes for. And, uh, you know, just realizing how ridiculous it all looks now looking back at it is is pretty sad, especially when you bring up the likes of Yoan Mankata and Eloy just not cutting it, you know? I need my iron lung. <laughs> You got a lot of lung darts on this conversation, just on this topic, Danny. Uh, Danny, what what's a game? What's a what's a typical game for you? Are you half a pack? Are you? La- I mean, <laughs> at at home, at home, <clears throat> at home. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? To be honest with you, I uh, I will uh, I I will turn it off if it gets to that point. And oh, I, okay, all right. You don't. Oh, yeah, I am. Under- I am okay. not. Uh, I used to be more of a glutton for punishment but as time has rolled on i just you know i've gotten to the point where i've got better things to do with my day and my life than uh subject myself to such misery over and over Good and over for you man 62 times a year i gotta uh, figure that way i gotta figure that switch i just don't have it I, well, you I know i know you last season especially was uh, you know with your you doing the whole lockdown thing oh you, you sure. were you were yeah. pretty much pretty much locked on and locked in and uh, he didn't have Mm. much of a choice but uh you know Ian and I actually had some conversations last season where you know I got to set up out in the yard everything's beautiful you know I made sure that I have uh internet out at the campground so I can catch all my Sox games or at least turn the radio on and catch something whatever but uh yeah man I, I do all this just for Sox and sports in general Chicago sports in general because you know literally I'm They've all been kind of rough the last few years. But, mm-hmm. uh, I I sat down with my wife recently and I said, you know, we're spending all this money on these streaming services and, you know, beautifying our, our yard and, and, and putting up, you know, nice expensive TVs all over the place for all these things. And I said, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I should rethink this strategy because it's all just a letdown lately. So, yeah, uh, is a typical game. If the, if they're winning, I'm two to three in a game. If they are not playing so well, I'm two to three in the first three innings, and I'm turning it off. 
There you go. All right. Well, we're gonna. I'm gonna be uh, checking in on you quite often uh, as this season gets going. I please do. Please do. Somebody needs to. And I'm not trying to stop you either. I just am checking in on just the quantity. I'm just curious. Oh, I, you know what? I, I need to stop. But uh, no, I, I'm not. Hey, don't look at me as a regulator. Somebody that's. Uh, don't look at me like that. I, I just, um, you know, I just want to know numbers. Uh, as as a non-smoker, I, I just <laughs> If I stop, though, it just ruins my entire inner persona. Absolutely. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Well, I'm sure that they'll give us something interesting, and there will probably be all sorts of quotes and interviews over the next week here to fuel another episode mm-hmm. next week of nonsense before we get our pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, do you guys have anything for this week on, uh, before we close here? You know, no. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to find positive. I'm really trying to find positives. I'm trying to talk myself into, you know, the, the, the what ifs, because there has been nothing of real excitement at all from the retention of Pedro Grafol to, you know, Getz and, and just the lackluster offseason in terms of acquisitions. So the way the, my, my mind is, it's just like, well, maybe that's like a free agent signing. If these guys can get healthy, stay healthy, and we have something at least somewhat fun to watch the first couple months. You know, we talked about it. Is there a chance that maybe out of April, May, like, whoa, you're, you're kind of towards the top of the central, and then maybe that's as far as they can hold on. I don't know, but I, I just need something because it's going to be a long, long summer, and, and I will stay tuned. I will stay tuned. I'll, pro- I'll probably watch my usual 145, 150 games you know, live, you know, and, and then catch up on the other handful, however I, I do it. But that's, and that's just me. I'm wired that way. I've tried to stop. I know it's not for everybody and I get that, but this is, I know it was going to be a disappointing off season. It's just, it really, it feels it. It feels all of it. Damn. Yeah. yeah now, uh, I really don't have much to add. Uh, <laughs> I'm with Nick. I, I will turn on as many of those 162 as I possibly can. As many uh, as you can stomach. Whether I, yeah, well, whether or not I get through them is a, is a completely uh, different story. But, yeah, you know, I mean, that's really – I'm I'm with you. I, I'm hoping for just something positive, something that's more watchable than last season was. Uh, if I get that, I don't know. I need something actually much more watchable than last season was i'm not asking for a 90 win season just give me something that keeps me entertained enough to keep me engaged and not want to turn off the game better Uh, brand of baseball really honestly uh you know stop giving me ridiculous quotes don't try to blow smoke up my skirt uh i I, you know because i don't want to hear we're not dumb you know what i mean and they throw these things out there like Sox fans are stupid sometimes like some of these quotes just they just sound like rehearsed and you know we're we're doing everything we were oh you know we're, our brand of baseball just needs some time i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it if, well, if you suck, come out and say you suck you know what we, we're, we we know we got things to work on but we suck i'd rather hear that get you know shoot me straight <laughs> that would be refreshing but they've gotten <laughs> practice danny they've said the same thing like over the last three years or so so it is kind of like rehearsed you know because the same <laughs> script it's the same stuff so you should be good at saying it by now yeah. absolutely yeah that's uh you know as far as i go with the with the socks you know like i i always have it on next to me but uh i do have minor league baseball to take my mind yeah. off of yeah. watching that subpar product uh, that's been on the field for the last year and a half. Um, so, you know, looking forward to spring training, and uh, we'll see how the year goes. You know, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but uh, it'll be fun regardless. 
whether it be a complete and total train wreck or whether they play a decent brand of baseball. And I'm hoping for hoping hoping for that. So uh, futuresocks.net, you can find written content and this podcast. You can also also find this podcast anywhere you find your podcasts. At Future Sox on Twitter, my name is Ian Eskridge, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Nick Murawski, next to me, at Nick GGTB. Next to him, Danny Miller, at Danny Miller FS. We appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you for stopping in the stream and watching us on YouTube and Twitch. You can find this in video form and in regular audio only on our YouTube, and you can find it in video on our Twitch video section as well. We thank you guys so much. We will catch up with you guys next Tuesday, uh, same time, 9 o'clock. We will see you guys next week. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye.